Slapjack Happy Bap. It's Hotline League episode 83. Uh, really excited to be back after taking one week off. You know, we delivered two episodes in one. So Mark and I, uh, we went off to Palm Springs and had a great time. Uh, Mark, how's it going? There was no real justification for it related to work. Don't don't try and sell them that. Our viewers are too smart. Uh, it was an amazing justification. Uh, we either wanted way, a vacation. My constant co-host Mark relax. is joining me right now. How's it going, Mark? Pretty good. I actually had a busy Monday. Usually I just sit around in my underwear until the show comes on. But uh, I went to Riot. We did the dive today. Um, wrote a bunch of stuff up for something else. And now I'm here. So busier than I thought it would be for Monday. Fantastic. And our guest this week is Freak from Riot Games. How's it going, Freak? It's going well. Uh, better now, obviously, oh, uh, now that you. I'm here. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, well, wait, are you claiming it's better because of us, or are you better? Is it better just because you're in this situation? Let's go a little column, a little column. Okay, yeah, I was trying to figure out if it was a compliment to us or to yourself. I don't know. But either way, welcome to the show. Thank uh, you. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to Alienware uh, for sponsoring the show? I need to get their logo up, and it will be up in just a second because I switched out my computer recently, so I have to add all this stuff back. And I completely forgot to add that back before the start of the show, which is inc incredibly inappropriate of me because they. Support the show. Either way, thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring. Uh, we'll have their logo up throughout the rest of the episode. Um, other than that, uh, we'll talk more about them uh, later on as I try to adjust the frame. Uh, but uh, I've been doing well. Thanks for asking, everyone. Really appreciate it. And, hey, uh, how's it going, Travis? It's going well. Thank you. Free, uh, Mark never asks. And today was really good. I had a really good day. So I'm happy. And I'm everyone, glad you're happy. Yeah. That's good, dude. What, what made today so good? Um, long story. I don't want to get into it. We've got a two-hour podcast. I can't talk about it for a very long time, but that's okay um, because we have a lot to talk about on this episode. Uh, and I don't know. Actually, what is it? We had a couple of things that came out today, I think, trying to, to think about them, but we have basically two weeks' worth of stuff. So we, have, we talked about Rift Rivals at... Uh, Rift Rivals and shortly thereafter, but we've had a couple other things that a couple of games that have occurred. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, and I guess we've we now at the last time we did a show, the standings were all over the place. Now they are looking a lot more solid uh, with what Team Liquid in first, and then behind them Cloud9, and mm -hmm. then a bunch of other people. Uh, I don't know, Mark, what have I missed? I mean, I disagree with the, the thing looks more stable now. I actually think it's in the middle of like flipping oh really okay tell me right. well, well because the two worst teams so far this season have been 100 thieves and then FlyQuest, and now both of them are on the rise the top six which was pretty uh certain it felt like has golden guardians and optic in the middle of the slide so i don't know i think it's actually like yeah we always knew team liquid was the best they're finally climbing and the top is looking a little more normal but we always kind of knew what the top was uh, did we? I feel like we, for a while we had six teams that were tied for first, and then five right, teams that were tied for first. Did Did anyone actually think TL wasn't going to be the number one team? I don't know. I, I think, think they could have maybe dropped a spot or two in the regular season just because of regular season, just because they said they're going to like take a break at the beginning of the split and stuff. And hey, it looked like that. But I mean, I'd still expect them to win the split at the end of it all. But uh, yeah. I would have been okay with them getting like third and you know, having C9 or TSM playing well, passing them. Yeah. 
I I mean, I, I think a lot of people expected it, but I still feel like there was an interesting battle. And now I feel like we're finally, we have like the team that's in first place. We have the team that's in second. I yeah. don't know, but maybe maybe all of it will get thrown up soon. I enjoyed how, how close the fight for first was. Optic had a very hot start, of course, and CLG was up there for a while. And, you know, there's still only two games behind first, but there is this chance that, hey, you know, what if this is actually crazy and suddenly Optic gets a playoff buy and they're actually really nuts and... Okay, that's proved to not be true anymore. But there was a time where you thought, "Hey, maybe it's actually going to happen." Yeah, I don't know, Mark. Uh, am I? What other things am I forgetting that have happened? I mean, part of the reason I, I know that we were, but I didn't feel that bad missing last week because it felt like there was not that much that was going on last week, at least. Yeah, I don't remember much other than uh, uh, Mike Young was last week. Oh, and that was yes. been two weeks of Mike Young. Uh, but now we got Kumo, who is, who's been starting. Um, there's been a whole lot of Twitter memes uh, recently, especially around like Broken Blade and that copy pasta. Yes, it's a good uh, pasta. Yeah, and then today there's a whole bunch of tweets about the Echo Fox management situation as well as the fantasy update. So yeah. Um, well, if somebody calls in, maybe we'll talk about that. I don't know, but uh, I, in my opinion, there's not too much to talk about on the Echo Fox stuff or on the fantasy stuff because there's literally no update it's just sort of like we'll see soon um so that's kind of that i mean that that stuff came out today but then it didn't really feel like there was much to talk about around it so either way uh but i am excited to hear what everybody thinks about the last couple of weeks of lcs and hear everyone's hot takes and i don't know uh mark do you want to do you think we should just dive in uh or did you have any rants in mind for this episode, the start of this episode? Ooh. Uh, none that jumped to mind. Oh yeah, your roommate announced uh, he's a uh, contractor. Contractor now, he can do yeah. stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why is Why isn't he on here too? I don't mm -hmm. because I, I can't get him to do anything. He he'll lurk in the background. Yeah, he'll just come by once in a while on like a wave. We tried him, to, or we tried to get him to go to Palm Springs with us, and then we couldn't get him to do that. So. That's not gonna happen. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. I mean, he, initially, question. yes, but then he backed out, so. Broke my heart. All right, well, then I really don't have anything else. Okay, well, then let's get into it, because I want to hear a full two hours of everyone having hot takes and all sorts of interesting stuff. Beautiful. Uh, Mark, do you want to explain how the show works? Yeah, so if it's your first time watching, the way that this works is I'm spamming Twitch chat right now with the Discord link. You can go ahead and click that to join the Discord server that we use for the show. Uh, once you get there, go ahead and join pleb calls, pleb call, calls to or sub calls. Uh, you need to hang out there so I can grab you. Um, and then in pleb topics or sub topics, go ahead and post whatever it is you want to talk about. Try to make sure it's more of a take uh, so we know what your stance is coming in. You think 100 Thieves is actually not that good right now. They're getting lucky and they, they'll still miss playoffs. Whatever it is, you think TSM sucks, whatever. Uh, go ahead and, and post that. If we like it, I will pull you from pleb calls into the waiting room where you'll hang out until it's your turn. And then uh, once it is, we'll pull you with after a quick mic check into the on-air room to talk with all three of us. Yeah. And if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. It's always super appreciated. We shout you out during the in-between time, um, and we will do that again. But also make sure that you join the subtopics channel because uh, you can, on Discord, you can, if you want to be on the show, you can put your take in there and it moves a little slower. So that's a bit of a advantage that subs get. Uh, and I, I always really appreciate you guys. So thank you so much. I Either appreciate way, you too. Yes. Freak, freak also. Travis subs. That. I appreciate Travis subs as well. Thank you. 
Yeah, Thank that's you. what I meant by that. I think I'll get a lot more now just because you said that. Hey, is that um, skull to the right of me over there? Is that in honor of raiding Area 51? Which, oh no, that is that is the Alienware logo. I know, yeah, I they trolling. make Area 51 PCs, so. Yeah. Yes, I will not be raiding Area 51 other than the Area 51 that I own. Anyway, let's just you should in. make a You should make a skit video where you're raiding in WoW on yep. an Area 51. Exactly. Bang. That's and then you can idea. rate the laptop. You can rate the Area 51. Let's get into the calls. Um, <laughs> Mark, uh, do we have any topics coming in? Uh, nope. No one. No one wants to talk today. Really? That's no. We, we have one. I'll go get someone. Okay. Off. Mark goes. Speaking of subs, let's read off a couple of them as I, I pull that information up. Uh, Freak, you do anything interesting recently? Did anything interesting recently? Um. I'm I am DMing two D and D campaigns now. Okay. Um, which is actually a lot of work. Um, yeah, I imagine. But but it's a really fun hobby. So so yeah, I'm I'm just heavily immersed in Dungeons and Dragons, just as a as a person as a hobbyist. So that's really fun. Um, uh, I I didn't think I would, but I fell super hard into TFT as well. I've played a lot of games. Why didn't you um, think you would? You so I actually like? so I tend to like strategy games. Like I played a bunch of Civilization. I got Legend in Hearthstone a while back. I used to play a lot of Magic: The Gathering. So, um, but for some reason in my mind, I was like, well, it's just going to be so RNG heavy. I'm just going to feel like I'm going to be frustrated. It's just not the game for me. So like I never played Auto Chess, right? Yeah. Um, and then it came out, and I was like, well, I guess I'll play some games. Turns out the game's really fun, uh, and the RNG tends to average out. Um, or at least, like, you can get top three or top four even without great RNG by being good. Uh, and so I, I think the fact that it wasn't a one-on-one -on -one game, like, if it, was, if it was Hearthstone with the sort of, like, types of RNG that's in Teamfight Tactics, I think I'd have a really bad time uh, because I would expect to win a one-on-one -on -one game if I play correctly. Right. Um, but getting top three is success, and you can do that by just being good. So, like, it, that immediately destroyed the negative, like, oh, here's why I wouldn't like it. Uh, and there's actually just a, a crap ton of depth to the actual game, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Well, uh, we do have our first ca uh, caller here, DexFactor777. Where are you calling from? Kansas. Kansas. Whereabouts in Kansas? Uh, Central Kansas, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Okay. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? Um, that uh, NA and EU are much closer than they appear talent-wise. Okay. And uh, that uh, main thing, that the reason why there seems to be such a gap it, uh, this year is because that you technically had a head start. So interesting. Okay, this is a this is a dangerous first call because in the past we've angered a lot of EU viewers. I'm a little worried how this is going to go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, go ahead and explain your your take. Um, mainly because, uh, I, I think G2 is so far ahead of the curve. I mean, you just see with, uh, recently with Rift Rivals and then also with MSI, how far ahead of understanding the current meta and the current, um, game style. And they work so well with that, um, that it has given the European scene as a whole, a huge head start into playing because, I mean, Rift Rivals, EU versus NA, for the most part, EU utterly crushed NA. I mean, yeah, I mean, C9, couple players sick and not feeling well, and and TSM had bright points in that, but as a whole, EU just killed it. Yeah, you're and not, you're not. It sounds like you're making the opposite argument. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just that because of the head start that uh, particularly G2 has given them in the spring split, so they were all kind of getting used to this whole kind of ramp up. And it's just with – because you looked at Team Liquid – um, going in at the beginning of MSI didn't look really good. They started looking better. They ended up being second place. And Rift Rivals, they were the only team to look really good because they had that experience, got their feet wet, and kind of understanding. And that's why you see some of the teams, the upper team, TSM, Cloud9, and TL picking up on it quickly, but they also falter like G2 did in the spring with some of the big blowups and games that they should have just crushed. And that because it is a very volatile style, but it's just with EU having that head start, they just look so much better. But North America has the talent. It just we haven't figured out how to play that meta yet. Okay. Uh, interesting. So, so you think it's just we have the talent. It's just we haven't figured out the meta. Is there not a chance that the fact that we haven't figured out the meta indicates that we don't have the talent? I mean, there is that possibility. I just don't see that because, I mean, okay. you look you look at, I mean, again, going back last year, like Worlds, like you had two European teams making it really far, North of, uh, Cloud9 making it really far um, in last year's Worlds. So, I mean, the talent is obviously there. And it's just... It it just depends on the execution and then the the structuring of how you're going to make that meta and style work within your team because it's going to be different for everyone. Because like yeah, G two they can play Pike in every single role. They're the only team that does that. So it's not saying that every team in Europe or every team in any region has to be able to play that. It's just that's one of the things that they're able to do. But Origin has a totally different play style. And uh, I can't think of the other. Fanatic? Uh, yeah, Fanatic. I don't know why I just blanked on no, that. Okay. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Fanatic. Yeah, I, mean, right. uh, <laughs> uh, I know, but, I know uh, very well. But uh, um how they all have their own unique style of playing this new meta in all different champions. Yeah, you still have your meta champions, your Aatroxes, your Sivers, mm -hmm. and things like that. But there's unique kind of... there. There's an identity for every team, it almost okay. feels like. Okay. And so it's like okay. Liquid, Cloud9, TSM, all the other teams finding their identity in gotcha. this meta. Okay. okay. Uh, Mark, I'm very curious on your take. We'll start with you so that uh, you know, we. I, I just I'm curious how you're gonna feel. I mean, it's, it depends what angle you want to approach this first from. I, I mean, like the base of it is, is NA as talented as EU, right? I mean, like with all the, with all the explanation aside, that's the question we're asking. Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah, I uh, I don't quite agree. I think um, in terms of uh. You know, top three, I think Europe's better. I think their middle's probably better. I, I've always said I thought NA's bot lane, or like bottom tier teams have a little bit more talent than them because that's usually full of a bunch of um, players that are a mix of new and old players. So you still have like, you know, prior to this, like FlyQuest was our former fourth place team in, in last. And then it was 100 Thieves who are now rising. And, and that right now is Echo Fox and they're going through a lot of stuff. But so outside that argument about, ooh, maybe our bot tier teams are better, I think uh, Europe has performed better internationally at the last three events that we've attended together, four events we've attended together. Um, 
past two Rift Rivals MSI worlds. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time believing that we're as talented when we're consistently losing out to them. Um, now, you might say that's not a talent problem, but I think that's be- maybe beginning to split hairs and get a little too semantics. Um, I think we are, are worse, if you don't want to say skilled. Um, and I'm not, I don't think it's an incomparable gap that will, or insurmountable gap we'll never get over. But right now, we're not over it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freak, how yeah. about you? Okay, so yeah, to, to break down the various topics, um, I think, yeah, LCS and LEC are reasonably close in overall player skill um, be- because of the heavy importing of LCS. I think if you only take native players for each region, it's not close. Um, so just, just like that argument, but, but, but with the importing, I think it's, it's close overall. Um, right. I think Europe has the, I think LEC has the edge and just overall team strength, but I don't think it's that far away. Um, the hair I always split with like calling things the meta or whatever is I, I think you can't really faithfully look back or I think you can't really faithfully call something the meta or, or talk about what an optimal strategy is without actually looking back after a lot of experience. So, um, G2 is the only team that plays Pike in five roles. So does that mean Pike flexes the meta or is it just, well, G2 is the best team and they play Pike in five roles. Like you can be a championship team in every single league and never play a game of Pike. Is Perks playing top lane sometimes the meta? No, it, that's that's just something G2 does. Playing Nico bot lane is sometimes useful and playing Yasuo top lane is sometimes useful, but you don't have to like switch your players around to do that. You just need champion pools. That's a G2 thing, not the meta, right? So like that, that like as a topic um, is something that I, I kind of believe in very strongly. It's just like people call things the meta and I don't know what people typically mean by the phrase the meta. Um, like to me, the meta game is what teams are doing in general. And if teams all have different styles and there is no meta because teams all have different styles other than, I guess we're not playing tanks in the top lane and we are playing tanks in the jungle. Other than that, it's kind of wide open. Um, I mean, some leagues are really big on a zero quirky mid and some aren't. Um, so like maybe there's a meta game in North America where it's very Azir quirky heavy. And so the NA meta is all about scaling mages or scaling mid laners. And there's ways to attack that and do well against it and do poorly against that. But that doesn't mean that's going to be the meta heading into worlds, assuming there's no patches coming into the game. So um, again, I, I just have a, a very big distaste of the phrase the meta because teams are actively trying to figure out what's correct and what's optimal, and no one actually knows. Um, but yeah, I think Europe has a lot of different teams that play a lot of different styles. Um, Reckless wants a lot of help bot lane all the time. And Fnatic are a top, I mean, they're tied for first right now, right? And they beat each other the first time around. So they're the best team in Europe based in regular season. And they're a can't bot, only play marksman ever kind of team. Uh, and G2 is the other best team in Europe, and they are the opposite of that, basically. They have the best mid laner in maybe the world, and they play through that, and they play a lot more flashy, and they don't, you know, just play teamfight AD carries. So um, as far as the point of, like, Europe is only better because the head start, um, I just think they have more sort of complete teams that are playing at a high level that, yeah, can play a, a strategy and can play a style well. But we also saw from Team Liquid, they had a 75% win rate at Rift Rivals. Like, they were... Uh, in general, better than the European teams, and they're a Sonoteric team. They're a very standard teamfight AD carry, or lane bully AD carry. In fact, they can go different different ways with it. Bubble's so good, he can either win lane with core, or he can win teamfights with core. So there's actually two different TL styles, essentially. Um, it's still win through bot lane, but like it's not the same way that Fnatic wins through bot lane. It's certainly not the same way that G2 wins through bot lane. So 
Um, I, I do think we're in a spot right now in League of Legends where you can have a lot of different styles and be a world championship caliber team. Which I think is really exciting. I mean, not to go off on Shanson too much, but I think it's really exciting that you have all these different styles and it's fascinating to sort of see whenever all the different regions match up, how those things are going to clash. It actually feels like early versions of, or earlier seasons of League where, like, I mean, Freak, you cast the season one world championship where mm -hmm. you saw the NA meta and the EU meta collide and sort of seeing how that went down. Yep. Uh, anyway, just to get back to the main point, I don't think that North America has the same level of talent in general as Europe. Similar to what Mark said, I think we are possibly getting there. I mean, Team Liquid certainly. It's it's this really weird thing, right? Because you look at Team Liquid and you're like, that's a team that has a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. This year, if you asked me, assuming Cloud9 and Team Liquid both make it to Worlds, which one will go further? I want to say Cloud9 because that's usually the case um and so as as an aside like it's it's really hard to talk about talent because you talk about it and then usually or oftentimes that doesn't play out the way you expect it to um but i do think that right now europe is stronger and hopefully i won't get any dislikes from europe fans uh watching this episode because i said that either way uh any final thoughts dex factor sorry we talked a lot each of us kind of had our own monologue but i'm curious if you have any quick follow-ups or anything I, I mean, I completely understand where all you guys are coming from. Um, and, and like, for example, with the meta, I guess for what I was kind of meaning on that was that kind of every team could have their own style. It's a little bit more diversified than, than years past where this is literally the only way you play. If you're best mm -hmm. team at playing this way, then you're going to be the best where yeah. and so, yeah, I understand it's bad use there, but, uh, and, and like I said, I, I, definitely agree that europe is is much better than north america now it's just i don't see it as like an insurmountable gap that like no, it how it is. felt with how it felt with korea um a few years back it just okay you had kind of china close and then everyone else yeah. and where mm -hmm. everybody i've seen some things saying oh he used that and it's like nah, i don't think it's there they're really dang good yeah and they are and they're fun to watch like it, like I'll, I'm happy to call G2 the best team in the world, but they they won zero games against IG on their way to be the best team in the world, mm -hmm. which is like, yeah. I'm not trying to throw shade at G2, but like they didn't actually beat the best team in the world to become the best team in the world. So like you kind of have to hold out judgment. You go up to Worlds, and I maybe still take LPL as the best region. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and there's there's that possibility because the only thing we got to see was MSI. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm really excited for this year's Worlds and how everything unfolds, especially with the chaos in uh, North America and which team ends up. I mean, yeah, you have the teams rising up, but like the whole Cloud9 beating Liquid and TSM, but losing to um, some of the other teams that they shouldn't. So it's just, and and other teams losing to others. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting, really excited. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, um and uh, cool. talk to you guys yeah, later. Thanks so much for coming on. Have a good one. All right. Moving on Oof. to the next caller. That was a beefy call. All right. It was. Uh, a couple quick shout outs. Uh, Billy Bob Joe, 771, thank you for 15 months. Lieutenant Lucifer, Nemsic for tier, at tier two for 23 months. Holy shit, coming up on two years. Gaffer Ganger, 420 at six months. Shadow Clan 98 and Diane Ilria, thank you for the six. 
Jack Nicholson is on the show. Thank you, Jack, uh, for calling in. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Nice. I've never been to Pittsburgh, but would like to go someday, maybe. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, um, I think the analyst desk um, misdiagnosed Poe Belter's problems as a mid laner. I don't oh, think he's a bottom three mid laner. Um, in fact, I think FlyQuest's problems stem from Warren's underperformance this split. I think Poe Belter plays um, a very different role compared to other mid laners on any other team. He is primarily the initiator for his team because Santorin has not been able to fulfill that role. Um, I have stats to back it up. He's second highest in kill participation, only after Froggen. Um, he's not even played through as much as Froggen is for his team. And furthermore, um, uh, his champions are uh, Aurelia, primarily, which he supposedly fed on. But uh, if you look back to playoffs last foot against GGS, I think it was game four. Um, he was, again, the primarily engaged um, in that team. So something like that, he's been uh, going through. He's and... only played one Aurelia game this split. Sorry, yeah, it was one Aurelia game, but then there was a Silas game, and then his Azir games have been him making the major team fights uh, for his team, as well as the Corky we recently saw. Um, so yeah, anyway, the point is he plays carry champions, but he still somehow has this engage e-roll, which screws up his stats like KDA, but he's still crucial to his team, unlike Santorin, who's been like a KDA jungler all split. Uh, February 14 in the Twitch chat suggested that you name three mids that are worse than Poe Belter. Um, I would say Demonte, Phoenix, um... And I would go for PoE, actually, because I don't think he's been as crucial to the team's success as Pope has to FlyQuest. Ooh, that's a hard sell for me, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so let me let me pull up a stat here. I'm trying to get to it. It's taking a second. Um, but for, like, I, 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 I kind of disagree with the idea that he's the initiator for his team. Um yeah, he has had some initiating plays, but those Corky packages, I mean, that's that's kind of just playmaking in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really see that as, like, it's his job to go in uh, all the time. He's played a lot of Rise, played a lot of Jace, um, Zoe, Corky, you know, Azir. These are not really initiating champions. And, in fact, the games that he's done well, you could say it's because he's maybe been on these with a little bit more agency, but he's gotten absolutely murdered in a couple of his games, like that Aurelia one, like one of the Jace ones. Um, you know, he's, he's had some struggles this season, and I don't think he's a bottom three mid laner in terms of, like, skill. I think he's really good. I think he's one of the top mid laners normally, but for whatever reason this season, he's been struggling, and I, I think it is a team problem in terms of uh, it's not just him who's underperforming on the team. I agree Santorin hasn't been as good as he should be, but it's not about how good someone should be. It's about what they're putting on the rift. And, you know, PoE has not single-handedly cost his team multiple games, and DeMonte hasn't either. So I, I have a really hard time putting them below Poe Belter. Freak, do you have any thoughts on... Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to say. So I, I spent a little bit of time looking up a bunch of Pobalter stats. He's like very slightly below average in, in laning. 
uh, as like a fairly team agnostic thing. Um, basically, every stat you ever look at, he is slightly below average. Uh, now, okay, he's on a losing team, so that makes it a bit tough. You know, you're a ninth place team, so you get you get to go down. But there, there's always a little bit of chicken and egg where, okay, well, you're a ninth place team because your players aren't doing very well, and players look bad on losing teams. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he leads the league in deaths and has roughly double every other mid laner in the league. Yeah, that's like, the one that kills me. It's like, well... If you're dying and you have a two KDA, like, is it you're trying to make the big play to get back in the game that your team is losing? It's not really that's what he's doing. Um, but he's also not feeding so hard in lane that like he's the tenth place laner, right? He's not. He's like the sixth place laner on the ninth place team. So at least early laning wise, at least he's not the problem there. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's to me more like um, teams that aren't very good tend to have high kill participation because you only get kills in team fights. And considering that Santorin doesn't really gank early game, well, there's no kills in laning phase, so you really only get kills when it's five on fives, which means everyone has high KP, which is generally, from what I can tell, the FlyQuest model right now. Um, I think their team coordination is pretty weak. Um, I think they are probably still on the way up, though. Like The weird thing is like they're in ninth place right now, but they're also currently surging, I feel like. So um, yep. I still like they're a team that can make playoffs and, and take over for Golden Guardians and Optic. So it, uh, a lot of this is going to sound more negative than I think it's going to be in the long run. But they had a really, really bad like first four weeks. So a lot of these stats are butt because they were horrible. As we see FlyQuest get better, do you guys think that Hobelter is getting better? Because actually, this is an interesting conversation to transition to. Yes. Is is uh, Hobelter like a weight on FlyQuest right now, or is he a path to redemption? Um, the two things that that mattered to me. So one was um, Wadid coming in. Because uh, I know they were splitting scrims equally between JJ and Wadid, just waiting for Wadid to get his visa, is my understanding. So, like, they were already on less than optimal practice for every game they ever played up until Wadid came in. And then when Wadid came in, it was still as optimal because he hadn't scrimmed all the games. So, uh, it was kind of a warm up. Uh, like, I, I kind of give them a partial pass in the beginning because they weren't playing at full strength. They brought this player in to play, and he finally is. Um, but I do think that the rest of the squad didn't look very good. I think Pobelter's stats are somewhat deserved based on how he was playing. I think he is playing better now. I think he's been pretty solid. Wadid coming in makes the team look better as well. And so um, kind of kind of both both of those things are going to go upwards for me, and they're going to be why FlyQuest is going to win more games. Yeah, I think the Pobelter himself said around week four-ish or something, that he's like, man, I am playing like dog shit. Sorry, everybody kind of thing. And he's like, I should stay away from social media or something, you know? Like, yeah. he's 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 owned up to the fact that he he knows that he he has not been having a great season. Is it 10th place mid laner? Maybe not, you know, I could be off. But like, I think him turning it around in that break week with Wadid coming it in, like, it's part of that honeymoon period. I think Wadid is an upgrade. He seems to be a very positive guy. Um, all that combined can be a kind of the kickstart that you need to, to, for you to start performing better as well. Um, and like I said, there's no way Pobelter's actually in skill, you know, to kind of go back to our previous thing, the 10th mm-hmm. best mid laner. But yeah, double the deaths for yeah. a mid laner of anyone else is is a- atrocious. Yeah, he um, performed the 10th best up until now. Doesn't mean he's yeah. going to continue to be that. Yeah, exactly. Jack, do you have any any thoughts? Is this swaying you at all? At all? Um, not entirely. Like my point is more that in the team fights, the reason he has so many deaths is because he was making the primary engage instead of 
someone like Santorin, because Santorin hasn't been playing engaged champions, whereas Pobelter has been forced to make these plays on squishy carries. I mean, so you can say that's a bad play style then, but that doesn't change the fact that 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 then Pobelter was fucking up the engages, right? Like it wasn't like Pobelter was finding these sick engages that was winning his team. Yeah, games. I want to point out that Pobelter has one Silas and one Aurelia game this split. He has two Azir, yeah. two Corky, two Jace, one Zoe. Those are poke champions who never yeah. should die. Yeah. Like there's three Rise games. Cool. He was bad on Rise too. Like I think about the Rise game. Rise is not the one who flash roots into the team. He was just getting caught split pushing and dying. Like. Okay, he played Aurelia back in playoffs. Cool. He's played one Aurelia game this year. No, sorry, dog. That's not why you have 30 deaths. <laughs> Jack, is that I mean, is that a reasonable take, you think? Uh, I guess. I mean, I still feel like the team lacks playmaking or lack sure, playmaking from JJ and Santorin, and that's something that someone on the team has to take advantage of, or they just sit there and die and do hey. nothing. I agree. I hate teams that are bad and sit there and die. And Santorin has five Rek'Sai and two Elise games. He's not playing Gage Champions. You're right that that's true. I th um, yeah, and, I, and if you watch every Echo Fox game, that's their team also. <laughs> and I, I also agree that Pobelter has always been a team-first player. Like He is not a greedy player, and he wants to roam to lanes and help people out. And the fact that they are not working well as a team, he will be the kind of player who looks bad versus a Froggen who even on a terrible team will probably not look bad because he's more lane focused. So like, I think there's a lot of reasons that Pobelter has looked worse than he is. But he's still been bad. Yes. <laughs> Jack, is there any shout outs or anything you want to say as we say goodbye? Uh, no, that's cool. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show and really appreciate what you do. Travis. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right. Moving on uh, to the next caller. We'll do one more and then we'll take a little break. Um, but Alrighty. as we uh, give, as we move on to the next caller, a couple of quick shout outs. I love you chat as subbed for 20 months. So shout out to chat because this individual loves you. Le Crusette, Nanuko 111, Low Triangle, Pluto 7443, Jordan for 19 months, Mixolot 1990, Girlish Menace, Brawler Yukon, and Johnny Blade 37. We've got our next guest. Coming in any second. Wait, where did I move him? I don't know where I you moved, I moved him, him, but they're not. Uh oh. There we uh, go. Hello? Insane. Insane. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Uh, I want to look that up. I think it's, isn't it pretty far north? Yeah, it's basically straight north of uh, North Dakota. What's the internet like there? Uh, really good. At least uh, in the you know it's a major city, so yeah, you know. Yeah, gotcha. Well, uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, yeah. So my topic was I think uh, this is going to be the year that Cloud Nine finally wins the summer split and goes as the uh, first seed for North America. Uh, I think they're going to beat TL. I think they match up uh, well against them, and then I think uh, CLG will beat TSM in the gauntlet to become the third seed. So, so TSM doesn't go to Worlds again. No, TSM miss, miss Worlds, Worlds again. Okay, CLG goes instead, wow. and Cloud9 wins Summer Split. Yes. You've got multiple layers of hot takes here, uh, which I'm very excited about. Why is Cloud9 going to... You, you think TL will be in the finals? Yeah, I think TL will be in the finals uh, for why, sure. Why is Cloud9 going to beat TL in the finals? I just think they're going to match up well. I think uh, Sven Skaren has shown that he's uh, the best jungler in North America right now. Uh, 
they like to play through uh, Niski and Licorice. Licorice works well against Impact. I think Niski can hold his own against Jensen. And then Sneak and Zazel have shown that they can kind of just neutralize bot lane, which really takes away a lot of uh, Team Liquid's power. So I think they're just going to win through basically top, mid, and jungle, and then neutralize bot lane and win through their aggression. Hmm. Well, I have a problem with saying neutralize bot lane. So I actually, I, I like a lot of what you said. I think Svenskeren's incredible. Um, Sneaky and Zazel have been doing very bad this split. And it's not just, oh, well, the stats are weak because Sona Taric or Sona whatever. Like, they're bad by Sona standards, and they're bad by non-Sona standards. Like, they're getting hard smashed. Um, it's, it's, it's maybe Sneaky's worst split. Um, I think the rest of the players are quite good. I like how Niski's doing. Again, I really like how Svenskaren's doing. But you, your biggest weakness is TL's biggest strength. Um, and then TL's strengths are against... Or, sorry, C9's strengths are against TL's other strengths. Because TL have strengths everywhere. So, so nothing can't like be TL done. doesn't have weaknesses. I, well, I know. But, but like, they're absurdly good through bot lane. And that's, the, that's the, like, the easiest point to attack on C9. Yeah, I think... The, the one nice thing is when we've seen TL seem to struggle their most, it's usually actually when Smithy underperforms. Um, as much as people like to worry about impact, he's almost never actually a, a serious problem, even though it's funny to laugh at him when he gets solo killed by Orn or something. Like, it's, it's usually, it's still, when, when it comes, push comes to shove, he's fine. And it, it's, it's more Smithy I'd be worried about getting out-jungled by Sven for why C9 can win. Um, but I, I do kind of agree that I'd be really worried about their bot lane. I think outside of lane, Sneaky's still been pretty good. You know, the Sneaky and lane meme, uh, sadly, is, is kind of holding true this split. Uh, he's actually one of the highest damage shares, DPM. And, and he's, I mean, he, part of it is because he's playing kind of poke. Like, yeah, I think he's played a lot of low damage share. Was I looking of at the wrong bot laner, he's third last. Was that's kind of like thing? DeMonte's one game. I cut out, uh, you know, games played, so you need a, a handful of games played. Yeah, yeah, But, like, Maybe he's literally is... only above DeMonte and FBI. On damage share. He is above DeMonte and FBI. That's what I have in Oracle's Elixir. Mark, did we lose you? Mark froze. No. Just, uh... uh no, Mark. I'm right here. Oh, okay, I'm you're talking. Back. I'm lighting up. Yeah, I'm fine. You're you're back. Back. You I was laughing because I was on the, I was on the wrong split. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> My my uh my Oracle's elixir automatically goes to to spring because I went there so much. It's just auto. Yep, that's spring. fair. Uh, yeah, right. So, he was good last the last split. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I'm looking. I was like, well, actually, I guess he. I, I agree. His laning's been bad, but according to these stats, he's been okay. He's yeah. not been okay. He's no. not okay. <laughs> no. Wait, were the, is right. that the same stats that you were using to look at? Uh, Pobelter no, earlier. No, I was using games of legends for Pobelter stuff. Okay. My Pobelter stuff was fine. Okay. Okay. Um, no, if we need to issue a retraction. Nope. Uh, I'll stand by everything I said. I do not stand by saying Sneaky's been fine. Okay. Okay. So, given uh, the new stats that you're looking at, Mark, what do you? What's your? Take? I mean, if, I I wasn't quite gonna agree that I think C9 will win. I think there's always a chance. Uh, but now I feel even worse about it. <laughs> it was it was TL favored before, and it just got a lot more TL favored. Yeah. Okay, um, so, so we reject your take in saying that Cloud9 is going to beat TL. Uh, they but can. Your second take was CLG beats TSM in the gauntlet. So Yeah. I'd, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I just think uh, CLG is playing real well. They're, they're just playing much better as a team. You can see that uh, 
that TSM isn't really they're still up in the air about their junglers. I think I think they probably settled on Acadium, but you can just see how well Wiggly's playing and uh, Ruin doing well. Power of Evil, obviously, he's just been he's been really good, and I think they're, this is going to be their year where they uh, push through the gauntlet, and then TSM's going to miss again because I mean they've never they're never usually in the gauntlet, but they've also never won in there. But that's just because they're never there, I guess. I mean, I think they're three and three in their last uh, three weeks is the only concern I would have for you. Um, I'm trying to look at it right now, but they, went, they lost for... both their games this past week. Um, oh, CLG. CLG did. To be fair, they kind of threw that one. That was a that was a loss, not a not getting beat. Okay. There's, I feel like there's a difference between, you know, when you start splitting hairs. There's a difference between I we we lost that game and we got beat. Yeah. <laughs> well, so but I still think they're three and three, and one of their wins, yeah, yeah. by the way, was against FlyQuest in like week. Sure three or four which is not yeah yeah i mean that that's a freebie but i I will give you that two of the losses are cloud and team liquid who no one expects clg to be better than sure like okay they beat the teams they're supposed to beat they're losing they're supposed to lose to and then golden guardians and tsm happened and they're like okay is that accurate probably not in golden guardian side is the tsm went accurate maybe tsm's been very inconsistent yeah i think about tsm c9 it was like the best league they've played all year in the first 15 minutes and that was the worst league they played all year yeah, I, I, I think. Worry... This is... Oh, go ahead, Mark. I was gonna say I'm I'm way more down with with this half of the take. I, oh, I'm not sure. Really sure I, agree. I I think this one is one where CLG is playing a little bit better as a team right now than TSM, and they feel like they have uh, better teamwork. It might even be individually playing better in some some positions, but I think TSM has that kind of ceiling factor where like. Usually TSM, for whatever reason, it's even been across multiple splits and coaching staffs where it's like they rally really hard at the end. It happened yeah. last year. And best it of happened fives. last split. Yeah, like every 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 split, it's like, will TSM make playoffs? And then they make playoffs and they, they knock some people out pretty much. So yeah. I have a feeling that once again, that's going to happen here and they will overtake uh, CLG just because I feel like they, they have some better players and, and they should become better. But if they had to play a best of five right now, I would probably actually bet on CLG. I I worry that CLG, like, okay, there's this big narrative, right? Is CLG finally making the comeback after all these years? Like, CL, CLG belief. I just worry that that, like, the, the surge of CLG from the gutter is making people potentially believe in them more than they should, right? Like, maybe they are a top five team but maybe that top five is like they're the fourth or fifth best team even right now like i I don't know i that's kind of my concern here is that especially given that they just went zero two this past week i mean again one of those is team liquid uh as freak pointed out but i and and but against team liquid also they didn't look very good it's not like that match was not they were up at certain points in time but overall like I mean, the Team Liquid guys are pretty cocky, but when they walked on, or when they did the interviews, and they're like, yeah, we really thought they were going to be better than they showed, like, that's rough. So, um, I don't, that's my only concern for CLG, is like, maybe they are way better than they were before, and yet still not good enough. So. And Sane, do you have any any thoughts on any of that? Uh, just one thing, back to the, the Cloud9 thing, I thought uh, what was really interesting was when how because they kind of like threw their first game last weekend and then obviously they came back in their second game uh, in the second day against TSM. And 
I thought that was really interesting what uh, Reaper said, how he said that if they didn't lose the first game in the first week there, they wouldn't have won that second game in the second week because of based on what they learned in the first in the first day. So I just thought that was interesting that they're really focused on fixing their mistakes and growing as a team. Yeah. Well, they're also a bit of a hard team to judge just with how much they swap players in and out um, where, you yeah, know, like, it's it's licorice and then it's, it's it's blabber and, you know, it's all that. So it's hard to judge mm -hmm. them. Yeah, like I'm kind of basing this on I hope they mostly play Svenskeren. and I really hope they don't put in Blabber anymore. I feel like Svenskeren's been leagues better than Blabber this season for sure. Hard agree. They don't win that TSM without Svenskeren. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. His, his engages were won oh, yeah. the, oh, the game. I agree he's the best jungle with the split. And yeah, well, I mean, we'll see what happens with Licorice versus um, Kuma. I think Licorice is definitely the better player. He's certainly more well-rounded. So, hey, if he's back to full strength, then C9's stronger. And hey, maybe maybe he actually pops off. There's always that chance. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's shown himself to be the, the best top laner in the league. So hopefully he can come mm, back, maybe. come back healthy, and so you know, show show his full form. Insane. Thanks so much for calling in. Anything you want to say on the way out? Uh, just want to say it's my first time uh, watching live. Normally I just listen to the podcast. So uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, thanks so much for coming on. It's always fun whenever we thanks. get somebody on for have the first time. time. Yeah, have a good one. All right, uh, taking a quick break really quickly. Oh, uh, now it looks like Travis is frozen. Hello. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, so this I'm, is when I'm you stuck, do the whole... I'm stuck here in my blurred motions. You're going to yeah, see... see... You're going to see... It's just my normal internet dropping for a second, which is what it does. It. We get two of these spikes every Hotline League, and it wouldn't be the same without it. Am I back? Uh, I can okay. hear you on Discord. I don't know about the stream. Yeah, I, the stream's, stream's back. Yeah, yeah. It, every every episode we get two of them. One in the first hour, one in the second. My internet is, it just likes to give you a quick Love little it. drop. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break before we move on to the next caller to talk about our sponsor, Alienware, uh, for the show. In fact, I'm going to go check really quickly because I want to make sure it's still running. But it is still running right now. You can go to alienware.com slash Travis. And they're having Cyber Week in July. You can save up to $1,700 on Alienware PCs. Uh, and they've got all sorts of great deals going. There's some crazy stuff out there. I saw one uh, deal. I, I can't remember, but it was just an insane uh, discount on one of their desktops. So if you are uh, in the market for anything, go check it out. Because this might be the best week to buy for quite some time. Uh, and they've got some great deals. By the way, you can use Travis 10 off. I'm not admittedly entirely sure how well it stacks up with some of the deals that they've got going on, but it doesn't really matter because you're going to get an amazing deal regardless. But if you want to give it a try, Travis 10 off, you can uh, potentially save another 10% on uh, what they're doing. And and there's some really cool stuff. In fact, I have a project that I'm going to be probably announcing in the next week or so that they are sponsoring that I'm really excited about. Um, and they're, they're hooking us up. It's fantastic. They also sponsor Mark's cat, uh, which is why the cat is so visible on the screen right one now. One of the top influencers. Yes, exactly. They sponsor a lot of people in the league scene and one cat. I don't know. We need to figure out. I don't know what the branding on that cat could be. Could you shave like an Alienware head into the cat's forehead or I something? I can put a headset on him. Hold on. Let me... Uh... Oh, can you? Because... Oh. The this cat is good. got so excited about the he, potential he headset the headset situation. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, I, I'm going to go game. That's what the cat did. Anyway, the point is, uh, thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring uh, the show. We certainly give them different types of 
promotion than they get at the LCS, and uh, somehow they haven't left us yet. So please, please check them out at alienware.com slash Travis. Desperately need them to think that we are uh, doing good things for them. So that would be amazing. And and I'm not kidding, by the way. I don't know I don't know uh, how long it'll last, uh, you know, if you're listening to the podcast and what day you are. But either way, check out alienware.com slash Travis right now because the Cyber Week deals uh, that they're doing for July are really incredible and that would be super helpful uh, it's in the description on the youtube uh video if you're watching that and i just put it in the twitch chat as well thank you so much to alienware for sponsoring the show and we're ready for the next caller mark if you want to go grab them all righty quick shout out to uh crouton who reset for 10 months and wrote hashtag alienware that was perfect timing and grumpy monk seven put several alienware heads on his sub as well uh, impossible katana for nine months sport ctc for 18 months in a row it's crazy year and a half and hornstar for three we should have our next caller dropping in in just a second uh Freak, right, right now comment. mark's not in the chat so i can say it. oh now he's back he's back joseppe hack I say joseppe, wouldn't hear it joseppe hack where are you calling from hello i am calling from boise idaho boise Idaho. Every time it's actually a Jose Pie hack. <laughs> I true? confirmed it with him. Yeah, Mark's right. Okay, Jose Pie hack. My name's Joe. Just, just by the way. Joe, thank you for calling in. Thank you for being a yeah, sub no as well. No problem. What do you want to talk about on the show? All right. So I think there's a problem in the league scene, specifically with Cloud Nine, where you have an owner Jack. Uh, kind of hoarding North American talent that's stunting the growth of the league. So you look at uh, Golden Glue, Kumo. Jack refuses to sell any of those players or like uh, release them from their contracts unless someone buys the entire academy team, which is just absurd. And think Optic Kumo. Like the league could grow so much if Riot decided to regulate this behavior. Woo boy. Okay. Uh, we're, we're doing this call. I was wondering if this was ever going to happen. Um, okay. So first Jack, off, Jack's going to become like the nefarious, like kingpin of the LCS in, in the uh, fan, <laughs> fan eyes. So first off here, uh, we, I, I want to say two things. One. So I had heard that there were multiple teams interested in multiple players on Academy during the break between spring and summer split. That being said, somebody made a thread on the Cloud9 subreddit that later got deleted, I think in part because Jack commented in it, and they were saying, they were agreeing with you. They basically had this take. And Jack's response in the thread was uh, he didn't receive any buyout offers for any of his players or any offers for any of his players during the break. Now, that's really hard for me to understand because... Or some obvious, like, 100 Thieves, for instance, probably would have been interested mm -hmm. in Golden Glue. Yep. Right? Uh, yeah. Like, there are some very clear instances where I would be shocked if a team was not interested in picking up one of those Academy players. So I don't know if it's a world where that he didn't receive a formal offer or what happened. Yeah. But, that could I be mean, some tricky wording where it's like, well, they asked what the buyout was, and I said 500000 and then they didn't offer to do it, so I got no offers. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's all semantical. So I, so I don't know, but I just wanted to put it out there that Jack's only, from my knowledge at least, the only thing I've seen him say publicly about this is that he did not receive any offers, and I, I don't want us to talk about it as if he hasn't said something on the, st on the stamp, on that situation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, do you do you want to expand any more on this, Joe? Before we we dive into it, I don't know if you want to explain. The the, re- the reason I I bring this up is because like there's a lot of theorizing about the esports bubble, and I think uh, the NALCS talent wise and failing to compete internationally kind of like inflates that bubble, be it real or not. And I think the NALCS could become significantly more competitive if you have a player like Kumo uh, be released and go on Optic. Like that's the solution to Optic's problems or even like 100T if they get Golden Glue, they keep Someday who is like probably a top three mid or top laner in the LCS, so. So the only counter argument I'll make before I let uh, Mark and uh, Freak dive in on this, but uh, so one, I don't necessarily disagree with you in a world where those players are on the Academy team and they're getting offers from interesting teams to join those teams potentially at much higher salary rates or something. that would be unfortunate for those players. And I, I would hope that there's a path for them to end up on those teams. That being said, I think one counter argument to what you're saying is last year you had a situation where Cloud9 was able to pull players from their academy roster and make it further at Worlds than any North American team ever has, right? The fact that they had Zazel and Licorice and those guys sitting around the academy and they were able to tag them in and make these sort of mid-split changes in the summer split or beginning of the split or whatever, mm. an experiment, that gave them a formula that allowed them to go further than ever before. So it's hard for me to 100% agree with the idea that like North America is being held back because those players aren't, are on Cloud9 because those players in the past have helped Cloud9 make rec- you know set new records for North America. Uh, that's the only thing that I would, I would point out there. Uh, I don't know, Freak or Mark, if you guys want to dive in. Yeah, um, the only thing I have sort of minor opinions on, I guess, is the idea of regulating buyouts and whatnot. And maybe it's actually correct to do this. There's lots of professional sports that, for the health of the sport, like there's salary caps in most professional sports I can think of, um, which is probably a good thing. Um, What I would say is if you you specifically regulated, you know, how much buyouts can be, you then disincentivize top teams to scout talent for academy teams. Um, because, okay, well, if you can find the best top laner and grow the best top laner, and his name is Kumo, uh, but, you know, Optic says, hey, Jack, here's five bucks, give me him, and you can't do anything about that, and Kumo leaves, you're like, well, I spent all this time coaching him, and we hired Westrice to be our academy coach, and he's really good at his job, but, well, there's no business case to try then, because we're not going to bench Licorice ever unless he gets hurt. Okay, you know, special case, this did happen, but, like, it's so easy to just like not have a reason to do it. Like TSM switches zero players out when they decided they wanted Acadian or Grig, they signed a new jungler for Academy so that both those guys could stay on LCS. Like C9 is the only org really that switches players around unless there's some kind of emergency like um, optic. Well, crown was sick for a week. So Scarlet played two games, but they're not actually moving their players around. Uh, so I don't know to me, like there is, there's a business case for being able to get like, for the team making money on scouting players well, I think can be a good thing. And maybe and and keep in mind, like, if Jack is being a good businessman, if the prices are so high that no one buys them out, then he's just playing Academy players really high salaries and never recouping buyout. Like if, if that's your business case, right? If if mm-hmm. if your scouting department is a moneymaker specifically to find good players and buy them out, um, well, Jack's not doing that very well then. So, you know, like like if that's if that's the the the, the plan. Strategy. The plan. Yeah. 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 yeah, my understanding is that Jack is not uh, necessarily refusing to 
uh, let orgs buy out individual contracts. Like if you want to pay half a million for Kumo, um, I think you could, like if that was a competitive offer. But in the instance of Cloud9, the way I understand it is that he wants to sell like the entire Academy roster, which is obviously just not uh, fiscally responsible for a lot of these organizations. So I'm curious where you heard that because it was a rumor that I had heard and I mentioned it entirely, I think, as a rumor on the show. And I don't know if that has like... That's where I heard it. Yeah, I heard it okay. on the show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely certain of... Like, so I don't... One, I don't... So I heard that at one point in time. And that was, I believe, at towards the end of spring split or very beginning in the off season. Again, that was a rumor. And I tried to explain that it was a rumor because I'd only really heard it from one source. But it also mm -hmm. fell in line with how Cloud9 had behaved in the past when it came to uh, challenger teams and whatever. Uh, I wonder if that could have changed over time. So, I mean, the, the obvious instance on why that would have been smart for him to think that is because you had the optic stuff happening and the clutch stuff happening and you think, okay, well maybe one of these new orgs coming in will just buy out my roster and mm. they'll have like this fresh team or something. Uh, I would imagine, this is super speculative, but, or, and now we're speculating off of a rumor, but I would imagine that as time went on, Maybe he'd be more open, you know, if it becomes clear that he's not going to sell the entire roster, he'd be more open to individual deals. But I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I think it's it's super hard because of what Freak just said, right? Like, they do a really good job of pitting these academy players in. My biggest concern is not even necessarily like, oh, it would suck if it's, it's sad that Kumo can't go to Optic because that could make optic better. Cause I actually don't know how much that makes optic better. Like is optic now suddenly going to worlds? And if they're not like, how much does that help the teams that are? I think that's, worlds? that's, that's weird. Yeah. It's always way better for a good player to actually get onto an LCS team, especially totally potentially agree. a playoff team. Like, well, okay. Here's a counter argument to that. What if Kumo being on cloud nine Academy makes, cause they scrim a shit ton makes licorice way better because they're able to talk about the stuff. And then Licorice it does way better for Cloud9 when they make and it. And it even works. makes Kumo better. Yeah. Right. That, that... And then there's also the world where because Optics top laner isn't that good, you have a team now with that doesn't get as much for screaming either. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah like it, goes, it goes mafia. It goes both ways. Like I, I think teams should be incentivized to hoard talent, like Freak is talking about. Like you want to make your your organization the best organization you can be. Um, and then the question becomes, is it more valuable to sell them off for six figures ish yeah. some or payday. To, some, some payday, who knows how much, or is it better to just keep them under you? So you're the best team in the league yeah. forever. Well, and uh, the only thing I was going to get to, by the way, is I hope all these guys who have become dramatically more valuable, I think over the past year are seeing compensation accordingly, right? Because that, that would be my disappointment is if Mark, do you disagree? You disagree? You don't think they should be compensated accordingly? No, I'm saying there's there's no way they're renegotiating their contracts as 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 academy players. Well, that's why yeah. I'm saying I hope that they're right, because that, that, that would face. suck, right? Because that was yeah. I mean, that's why I made the face because that I of all my years of hearing people renegotiating, it's basically only star players who are able to renegotiate. I haven't heard anyone who is like where unless they were dramatically rate, underpaid. I'm curious where you guys would rate Golden Glue and let's say Kumo among. The other, like, is Golden Glue the fifth best mid laner? And in... no, okay, probably not. Who right. Well, I mean, 
Can I think Golden Goose probably a bottom actually... three mid laner. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I just my only point is it would suck if if Golden Glue signed this long thing a while ago and is not getting paid very well. But if he joined Hundred Thieves, could be making three hundred grand or something. You know, maybe maybe three times whatever his academy salary is. I, I mean, again, I don't know his academy salary, but you get the point. If he could be making right. three times more than he currently is. More, right. I what mean, did you want I've... to talk about though? I want to talk about the fact of like the business model that we were talking about before. Yeah. Like the idea that uh, it's a better business decision and more incentivized to, to make these players good and then sell them off. I think the better thing to do is, and probably what Jack is actually doing, you know, from this idea of we have good scouting, we have good development coaches with West Rice and stuff, and then our players become good enough. Then when our players start slumping or they become, we find an upgrade like Zazel over Smoothie and Licorice over Impact and stuff like that, you can move them around pretty freely. Uh, and it gives you more flexibility and the ability to stay competitive for longer than a team who has to completely build from the ground up when, mm -hmm. when things aren't working out. And so, you know, it might be smart sometimes to sell someone who you don't have a future with away for a, a quick $100,000 or something. But if that player is really good, and they're not costing you that much to keep a hold of. It makes your your team, it makes your opponents weaker, and it could potentially make you better down the road. Plus, all that stuff you're talking about with scrim culture and and having more talent within your organization to make each other better. Like, it does feel very stacked against trading people away. Uh, from an yeah. incentive standpoint, yeah, for, from, this... for a quick payday, and that's why I think you know the idea of regulating a buyout sounds good to me, and, and making some sort of language around like making it so people can't exactly be like, I signed this guy to a two-year deal for the 75K that is the minimum now for Academy, I think it is. Uh, and he sits on, on my bench for, for two to three years while he becomes one of the best players in Academy and doesn't get a shot. Like, that sounds sad to me. Yeah, I think it, the question kind of becomes with my take, uh, do you want orgs or franchises to stay dominant for a longer period of time, like Cloud9, for example? Or do you want the LCS overall to improve? And I think that's where Riot should come in and regulate the league, similar to like how the NBA works. So one one problem with that though is is like these are businesses, and the point of a business is to make money. And the more you constrain businesses, and the more you regulate businesses in in the very general sense, um, these yeah. for profit businesses, the, the like, guess what? We're all in a like, we all work together, like Riot and and Team Liquid and C9, and everyone else, like. If we want to change terms, like they have to agree to it, and they probably get something yeah. back for that as well. So, like, like these are business talking to businesses, not just like, well, we'd love if the LCS was great. Well, Jack wants C nine to be great. Um, yep. And and like so so that that is a hard fight to pick and a hard fight to win. Just just in like the, the pragmatic sense. I mean, and I also agree that like if the rules are set up in a way that allows Jack to do this, Jack should a hundred percent do this. You know, like. Mm -hmm. I, I'm uh, like I might be sad that I think Kumo and Golden Blue are better than some of the players not playing in LCS, and I don't know what's stopping them from ending up on those teams other than potentially buyouts. But in the world that we live in, like I think Jack is doing the right thing, and I would never say Jack's being mean or anything. Like you operate within the system that's been created, and you don't owe it to anyone to to harm yourself for the betterment of these other entities. So like, I, I hold no issue with Jack yeah. if, if this is what's yeah. going on. The other only concern that I would have about regulating it is, are you can't, okay. Clearly the cloud nine, I, I, I think that the cloud nine environment or ecosystem is part of the reason why these Academy players are able to get really good. Yep. I think, mm -hmm. I think most people yeah. would agree with that. Right. 
if Jack knows that you know at a certain threshold of buyout he will lose his players are, is he now disincentivized from expending resources and energy and all that stuff because at a certain point in time now if his academy players mm -hmm. get good enough they can just leave him and so by creating these regulations do you disincentivize teams from investing more into academy the way that cloud nine has mm -hmm. because now you know like that work could not be worth it for them later on yep exactly yeah, yeah. i don't quite think so because like if you look at the c9 academy roster and their top lane like they're not even playing kumo and academy like they're playing jukes uh so i definitely understand the argument with golden glue but i think it's definitely reached a point where riot as the governing body of the lcs be it a business or not um should allow for growth in the league when there's like a third man i think this is an opportunity where they can step in obviously i don't actually know i'm just a spectator a fan of the game but I think there's room for some involvement. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for your call. Is there anything you'd like to say on the way out? Uh, I will say, Travis, thank you for doing more interviews with like uh, Korean speakers like Impact, Core JJ. It's really nice to see their takes and get to know their personalities. Anyways, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank, Have you, a good thank one. you. And moving on to the next caller, we've got a couple more subs. Kyoftim, uh, Kyoftim, four months. Really need to know how to say your name. Uh, I'm so glad Mark can't hear me right now. Yeah, Mark cannot hear you if you want to say Good. something. Good. Yeah, Mark is a pleasant gentleman. Okay. Well, I I know you don't like it whenever somebody uh, hears something nice about them from you. So I'm glad you were yeah, able exactly. to say that. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I never say anything. Kitsune, is that how you say your name? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Honestly, most people, just, most people just call me Kit, so it doesn't Kits. really matter. Where are you calling from? Uh, Cypress, California. Cypress, California. Is that in Southern or Northern? Southern. It's uh, like just south of Long Beach. Oh, okay, okay. That's weird that I didn't know that because I lived in Long Beach for five years. Anyway, uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I kind of hope that I'm wrong because I'm a 100 Thieves fan. But I think subbing in Ryu and Fake God, although it makes like the team cohesion better isn't a step in the right direction. And it's kind of just based off of the interviews I've seen you do with people like Double Lift and Impact and the kind of the top tier teams where they say Riot's kind of going more towards a higher skirmishing team. And so because there's more skirmishes going on, most of the macro play kind of loses its point and it's more based on kind of individual mechanics. This is a crazy take because it's hard for me to see a world where like this team uh, that just kept losing and losing and losing and then finally started having wins made a wrong decision. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's too much for you to expand on there, but it sounds like you're just basically saying like, this is not going to lead them to it's short-term success instead of long-term success because long-term they're going to struggle in this current, I don't want to say the word meta because I think that'll trigger freak, but in this current <laughs> uh, design of the game. Well, just to clarify as well, you're not. Are are you even saying like? Twenty hours. I guess. I guess here's like the general point is that obviously adding Ryu and back into the team has added kind of a better synergy, which allows them to team fight better, which is kind of a given. Um, but by taking out 
talent like Sunday and not making a trade and kind of bouncing off the topic of your last uh, caller of trying to find a uh, make a trade where we can get Golden Glue or even Pobelter. Like, let's say FlyQuest doesn't do well this split. And I know Pobelter's not doing the best, but if you added him where he did have synergy with Afromu, uh, like... Flag spike for anyone launching the VOD. They're eventually, they're eventually just going to kind of fizzle out because I, I definitely don't think that they're in the top three. Uh, are we safe to continue this conversation? I, mean, I think so. We had stable? like two lag spikes. I, I, I don't think chat has any fucking clue what we're talking about. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe Mark, do you want to give a quick summary? Okay, so... Kids can let me know if I get this wrong at all, but basically you're saying that despite Ryu coming in and making 100 Thieves better in the short term, it's probably the wrong decision um, because... I, I can see Travis on the Skype call, though. So, I mean... I yeah, I mean, the Skype's not, not the great. problem. Yeah. I keep seeing that it like I have I have the Twitch chat window open and it keeps mm -hmm. yeah keeps I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing the F's in all chat yeah I've seen a oh. lot of F's hello I hope oh, he's got a he's got a oh call wait I'm back I can yeah. see myself animate on on the stream again yes is is can you tell Kobe to stop downloading all the porn right now we're trying to <laughs> I, just, I just went and talked to him patching um, the nice thing it's is when everybody good. refreshes it gives a big surge in you count because it includes the old ones and the new ones. Um, oh no. Interesting. Uh oh, wait. I'm seeing a lot of F's again. Yep. Yep. Oh god, man. Internet just hates 100 Thieves. Or it really likes 100 Thieves and doesn't want to hear everyone uh, trash talk them. Oh, that's yeah, true. It doesn't yeah. want us to potentially agree with you. Well, I checked everything <clears throat> and it looks like it's mostly good okay well i'm ready to keep going if you are i, I mean we so. can just the problem is it works for a second and then we lose it again that's okay this time it'll be perfect everyone tweet at kobe and tell him to stop downloading all the porn um oh. anybody watching the vod can just see my stress and anxiety right now and nothing else just my frustration that we're there are combinations that just combinations of players that just don't work that you can you can take the the best players, or the, what would be the best players, and just sometimes it, it that's just not a team, for for reasons that you can't foresee, but it just ends up being true. I think that just kind of happens sometimes, um, and so I think the old hundred thieves configuration with Bang and whoever the mid laner was, whether it was Huhi or Saligo, and someday just nope, just not a combo that works. You know what? They're missing a shot caller or something. Give it a couple more minutes, and if it doesn't resolve, then I guess we'll call it. And, um, a, a combo that works. I think it's okay to fast fail a lineup. Uh, I don't think I disagree with that. I think it's just the general idea, like having amazing. Oh, so adding amazing team synergy because you had an aggressive shot caller, um, kind of roaming around the map, right? Uh, I just look back to the old 100 Thieves, right? Where when you were looking at 
Sunday. Sunday wasn't receiving a lot of help on the old Hundred Thieves. He was kind of just left on an island on his own. Um, and yeah, there were times where he didn't have the greatest games, but it wasn't like he ever lost lane super hard, right? Mm -hmm. But the rest was the synergy with the other four. And I think yeah. having Sligo there obviously wasn't the best, but then side grading yourselves out of Sunday, not even side grading, but down grading. Definitely as a player, sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, that's I mean, where it's different. Well, right. turns out you need your import slot for a different player. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why they were training Ryu for someone like Pobelta or even. Going back, Ryu was great because now they're winning. And I think, one, Ryu in the current meta isn't even, like, that bad. Like, I agree his individual prowess is not super high, but we're talking about a, a meta where, for the most part, you want to be proactive and making plays. And Ryu's actually really good at that. He's really good at playing the map and working with his team and shot calling and finding finding things to do. So, like, yeah, he's not going to 1v1 Bjergsen, Niski, and all these people. And, you know, you'll probably never win a championship, right now with Ryu without like having superstars in every, like in other positions. But he is still really smart about the game. I think Ryu's actually pretty good. Um and so yeah, I don't I don't know what you're getting with Soligo in the mid lane doing nothing. He had the like a he had like a five percent, four percent. It was like tiny. He he I think Soligo could be a player in the future, but it wasn't now. And you've ran that test and you know he is not LCS caliber mid laner right now. So I don't think sticking with him would have made any sense. I think now you're giving fake god time to get better. I think the the someday experiment hasn't worked. He had one of the highest jungle proximities in the league, and it was hurting Bang. And now you've swapped things around, and now Bang is looking better because they're playing more towards him, and he seems like a real win condition. And you're just getting more data around your team and players that currently exist on your roster. So when this offseason ends, you can go forward and say, this is the stuff we need. We can win with Bang, Afro, Fake God and amazing. Let's go find the mid laner that we need that that completes this roster. Or maybe you find you know like you can start making those kinds of decisions because you tested this roster and see that it works, as opposed to just saying Bang didn't work. Fuck him. Let's get Bang out of here or something. So I think the experimentation was great, even in the long term, it was great. Hmm. Did you guys mention? So sorry, I've been in and out, but just That's also okay. for chat's purposes, uh, did are are we under the opinion that? Ryu and Fake God can continue to succeed in this new League of Legends meta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I mean, they're fine. That's why they I think are succeeding. I think, right. I think that's what's the hard part is again, as a fan, you sit there and I'm enjoying watching 2-0 weeks from Hundred Thieves, obviously. But it's one of those if your goal, which it's kind of a long shot at this one, but if your goal is to make it to worlds, right? I just don't see it being with what you're doing now. Like, it's like, I mean, sure. It's certainly not what they were doing before, though, is the problem. I'm sorry? Like, but it was certainly not what they were doing before. Like, Absolutely. it's it's nice to have great aspirations, but not every team can be Team Liquid where they have the best players in five roles or at least second best in five roles. Like, sometimes you got to build, and sometimes that's just what it is. Like, I, I, think, I think so many teams have this idea of, like, well, but if we're going to win Worlds, we should be able to do X. It's like, you're a ninth place team, dog. Get wins now. Like, and, and I understand like the idea of wanting your favorite team to do really, really well. Um, but that ain't 100 Thieves. Like, they're a fourth place team at best right now. They're probably a fifth place team. Be right. happy with that. And like, if, if Fake God's really good in a year, now you're a third place team. If Bang gets back to like 
2015 bang form all right now you're a top two team like that's just what it comes down to though is is like hoping that that someday will now carry us and magically we have synergy again too bad like that's not happening right i mean like the point of like wanting to have world's aspirations is definitely something teams should have but like sitting there in 10th place losing another game with saligo and someday doesn't get you any closer to those aspirations yep making these moves and seeing oh fake god might actually be a piece wor piece worth keeping next year and maybe even be a starter maybe ryu can even kick around like someday or um amazing is actually picking up wins too and, and you just have more information about what's working versus just sitting there being like yep this still isn't working yep Yep, this still isn't working. Yeah. Hey, Kits, thanks so much for calling in. Sorry we had some uh, internet issues, but hopefully you were able to still have the conversation you wanted to have. Oh, no worries. I just also want to say your interview with Ovely Rick Fox and Double Lift was money. So Thank you. Yeah, they, if you want to check it out, they need to go watch it. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, have, have a good one and enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. All right, on to the next caller. It looks like the internet has stabilized. Sorry for anybody, well, sorry to the Twitch chat who were watching it live and got a lot of frustrations and sorry to anybody listening to the VOD who had to uh, to get through that, but hopefully everything is good now. We can all be happy. I'm happy. Okay, good. Uh, that's really what I want. Man, Mark um, really is a nice person. I like him a lot. Wow, so much praise. Uh, thank you to... Uh, Sadistic Nero for eight months in a row, Exigen Shan for 11, Rice Man, NVS, and Real Foxy One for 20 months. Should be getting our next caller here in just a second as Mark is off grabbing them. Uh, thank you mm -hmm. to everybody in the chat. Oh, Neon Puddles, thank you for the 10 months in a row. Good to see you. Um, Mark is slowly making his way back here. Rick, you're not going to Comic Con, are you? Uh, nope. A lot of people are going, and I kind of wish I was going, but... I will spend my week playing TFT Ranked and casting League of Legends. Oh, yeah. Ranked hits in just two days. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. It's really unlucky, the the way my schedule works, because Monday and Tuesday are my days off, and patches come out on Wednesday, so I'm back at work whenever there's a new League patch. Yes. Well, I've heard a lot of the casters play League of Legends, so I yep. feel like you could probably still get away with it. Yes. But I'm just, you know, I, you know, can't just sit at home Zone streaming. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Hey, Robert is joining the show. Robert, where are you calling from? New Jersey, dude. New Jersey. Okay. Thank yeah. you for being a Twitch sub. Uh, what do you want to talk about? So my topic is that TSM is actually way better than they look right now. And that they're just not playing their best style. And that if they actually played like the more TSM style and the style that they know they can get wins with... Yeah, they would get wins, but they would be like way worse going into playoffs. Gotcha. What do you think is TSM style? What what is the style they should be playing? Um, well, if you look at like the style where they've won a lot of games, there's two main things that I've noticed from the season. One is their Sonoteric is very strong, and two is that if you look at the earlier games, it was more of a it was more of a laid back and trying to like punish and make more so like moves around the map towards the mid game rather than trying to accumulate a really big early game lead but right now like the teams that are actually doing really well and teams that like you think of when you think of like world contenders they're all teams where it's that early game where they can actually stomp and, and actually make proactive moves and you know tsm has never been like the proactive team they've been more of the reactive team and i think they're just trying to play more of a proactive style where the, the idea is correct but like the mechanics just aren't there yet. And, you know, there could be... You can look at multiple games from this. Like, uh, Zven on Yasuo, 
the whole idea in that CLG game was a really good idea, but the execution was probably the worst I've ever seen. Uh, Bjergsen on Rumble, it was so many mistakes on Rumble, and it's just like if he had more practice or if they were just mm -hmm. mechanically more skilled in those specific champions where they haven't really like played much of, those games could go differently. But that's uh, more of a time investment thing. All right. right. You want to go, Mark? No, you, you got it. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, I agree with you on the idea that they they did things without experience at and were clearly bad at. Uh, Yasuo dying for a turret plate. Um, Rumble not understanding you should ult before you overheat. Like, you're absolutely right. There are things you point at and be like, wow, you do not know how to play this champion very well. And those are absolutely going to be costing games. And, and so uh, that part I agree with. Um, absolutely the case. I, th I think that is probably inarguable. Uh, but they're costing themselves games by trying things out that aren't very good. Um, so so then through that logic, your point of T is better than they look, as long as they understand what they're doing. Because there, there's, there's, there's always the point of like, well, if you just did X, you wouldn't have thrown the game. If you just knew how to take Baron, you'd be fine. If you just didn't have bad drafts. And like sometimes they think they were drafting well or playing Baron well or whatever. Um, I like to hold out hope that they understand what they're doing. Um, so it, on that lens, I probably agree with you, but I mean, like Bjergsen has gone on like interview and said how, like, he'll look at those games and be like, we screwed up. Like we could have won that game if we just played it right. And it wasn't like a, oh, we got, we, we got ran over. It was more of, we ran over ourselves by like being stupid as hell. Sure. Right. But, but I think, I think the, the point freaks making is like, you're not guaranteed to suddenly stop making mistakes just because you know that you made a mistake. So like... No, no, I, I agree with that. But at the same time, how are you ever going to improve if you don't actually try and work on things where, you know, well, I don't know if it's you, not if just about scrims. Like, you need to also be able to say, all right, they have to be stage ready for it. And one of the best ways to, like, get that practice for being stage ready is, well, practicing it on the stage. So I think them trying out uh, different styles for, like, um, two different kinds of comps, um, they didn't execute on either of them. But yeah. it's... I'd rather see that than be seeing, like, the same, like, either Sonoteric or just, like, controlly wait till like, scale kind of style that we've usually seen from them the past year and a half. And sure. it just, yeah. I don't know, I feel like, it, look, at, look right. at playoffs last year, right? They were figured out. I honestly think that they were figured out by TL and that the game, the series shouldn't even go on to five games, but it did anyway. And TSM rightfully lost that series because... They just were easily played. They were predictable, and when you can target that, it it just makes your team way worse. And when you're going international, it like yeah, it may look worse now, but it's things that you kind of have to do to, so you can get better. I don't want to get into the TSM versus TL series because I really disagree with what you said about that series. Um, but that's also not the point of this call. Yeah, so it's I don't not want the point to get of the call either. Guys. Yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't want to get into that. I will say I, I largely agree with what you're saying. A lot of it comes down to some of the the specifics of it. Like, I agree. I don't want to see them playing Corky and Azir and playing a reactive style with Sejuani and scaling to late game where they'll probably pick up more wins versus bad teams. Um but yeah, probably like, not become not, a better you can team. Exploit teams that are like trash. Like, how about you actually try and right, right. improve? Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I agree with the 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 large idea that what they are doing is the right decision to do long term. Whether or not the specific 
choices they're making are the right ones, like the Yasuo and and stuff like that, and, and the Rumble. Whether or not those are the specific right champs, I like the idea of what they're doing. But to Freak's point, they're not. You can't assume that they're better than they are just because they have another style they could be playing. Because there's no guarantee that they become good at the style they're trying to do. So the, it's it's kind of weird to say that they're actually better than they are. It, what you're really saying is they have a lot of potential to get better under this style. Well, how about I, what if I like said that if you let's say you take Team Liquid right and you say, well, what if they switch their style and try to play like yeah, more of a G two style? Like, yeah, what if they play super yeah, aggro? Yeah, yeah. Like, I guarantee you that will not work because it just does not work with that type of team. And people uh, can look at that and say, oh, well. Team Liquid's like losing. It's because they're bad. It's like, well, no, it's because they're trying something different. It's because they're trying a style that they're not good with that they're trying to mm -hmm. be comfortable with. Right, but, but if this... if they if they committed to that style that they're bad at, I wouldn't say, oh, well, they're they're much better than they are because they're committed to trying to learn that style. And then then I wouldn't say they're that good. But it's, if... uh, so I think on, a, on an interesting example, of this is in the past. Actually, I think whenever Double was on TSM that second year. I remember them saying, hey, we're experimenting a lot because we realize we don't have enough styles. And that's mm -hmm. part of the reason why we're losing because we know we can ultimately win finals or whatever, but yep. it's like week three. And so we're going to try different stuff. Yep. Uh, that, But that's not really what's happening here with TSM, right? I'm, I mean, I I'm know that sure. they're kind of swapping in jungles or whatever, junglers. But... So, yeah. So, so here, here's my sort of synopsis on TSM. Um, so I think they are a top three team or a top four team and they can... They can arbitrarily lose three games this split that they would have won for free by trying stuff out and still make playoffs and then just shape up. So I think they, like TL, like C9, have carte blanche to do whatever they want in the regular season as long as mm -hmm. they're staying in top four. Uh, so far, uh, this yeah, is accurate. I, I agree right? with that. So far, they're doing this, so it's fine. And, and, and But again, it comes down to, do TSM think they should be a fast team? Do they suck at it all 18 games? Going to quarterfinals of playoffs, still try to be a fast team and get 3 0'd by CLG. If that's what TSM does, then they're not a good team. If no, TSM I agree with knows, you. hey, I agree with you. we're a top two team by playing team fight, and don't worry, we've got it in the back pocket, and they make sure that they're ready to play team fight if they need to. And once they get to week nine, they're like, well, we try to be fast, we can't be fast to be a team fight team, then that's fine. Like, then, then, then you're right, and they really are like that good team who is trying stuff. But like, we don't yeah, know I'm, which one I is mean, true. Like, We're waiting to see which one is. I, I can guarantee you right now that like they they realize that too. They probably realize, hey, we're better with this style. We could pick up wins with this style. I mean, some of the players even said that. But at the same time, I'm not saying they should be extremely aggressive. That has never really been the TSM style. But you need to like be able to pick up pace and say, we have a lead. Let's push it. And in the C9 game, you saw they were able to, you know, first 15 minutes, you're like, wow, this is like insane. But then it all just goes downhill because, I, honestly, I can't even think of like a well, good actually, reason why like the whole if, if turnaround they, like they they didn't play that game that well. They they actually got zero kills with all their roams topside, and, and they the three kills that they picked up in the early game were C9 contesting a Rift Herald that they very poorly contested. Um, yeah, but then when then, you look at like that scenario and then how they were able to like convert that into a bigger lead and then start converting things and using pressure around the map using the globals it was really well played really well uh orchestrated right but using your own logic of like oh the, they can learn this style and play it better that's also true of the people they're playing against who are also probably trying things and are using kumo and pick three losing lanes you know like you're not 
like one team just because they have potential improved doesn't mean another team does. So like I look at that game and I say, yeah, TSM could play that a lot better, and there's a lot of things to learn. That's equally true for C9, um, you know. And so I, mm-hmm. as well as like how the draft could play out and all that stuff. So like I don't, I also don't think that they are guaranteed if they just pick late game to to be a great team because they were playing a lot less proactive prior to Rift Rivals and they were still losing a fair number of games. So like this, I I think TSM will be good, but, and I agree that this style that they're experimenting with is probably temporarily making them worse, but would they be better than C9 and TL even if they were try-harding their hardest? I don't think so. Um, I don't, I don't think in a best, I don't, I don't think in a best of five, but I think in a best of one, they could definitely like, We'll, we'll, have to, yeah, see whatever, but, you know. we'll have to see how yeah, things go. We'll have to see how things go. I mean, I appreciate your call. Future holds, and uh, and I think it's it's an interesting discussion for sure. And this is one of those calls where like maybe all all of this works out and TSM wins summer finals, and then I get a ton of views. Because well, at the same time, yeah, I could just backfire with the and get spotlight. completely destroyed, and it's like, oh, all that work was for nothing. No, no, mm-hmm. don't worry. Uh, no one will remember this call if that ends up happening because everybody moves on. People only remember the, the calls that ended up being true. Nobody remembers. No, no, no. You, you can add me on anything, on either the right or the wrong. I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> add me on whatever. I don't care. Someone's going to do it. Thanks so much for calling in. Uh, yeah, is there no, thank anything, you for having me. Is there anything um, you want to say on the way out? Been a, been a huge fan for a long time, Travis. Keep keep rocking it. Me too. Love the dad bod. Travis. <laughs> and, love the dad bod freak. i'm trying not to rock the dad bod anymore but i appreciate that yeah what up you got tons of damage in that mustache man thanks bud i appreciate you <laughs> see you guys you think of mark yeah no no, no mark also the only thing i say about mark is that his pussy's pretty cute good goodbye have a good one all right i don't know why you tempted him cat. like that his cat is cute yes yes yeah we did uh, it okay moving on to the last two callers. You brought that on yourself, Travis. You did. This is all your fault, Travis. This is called victim blaming, by the way. I just Man. want to be clear. Uh, Mark himself's pretty cute. I just want you to know that. Freak, how does this show compare to... Because I'm always fascinated when you guys who do like the dive and all that stuff, you come uh-huh. on the show, and it's like... you just. I feel like you probably end up in conversations you would never have on that show. because. Yeah, yeah. We Because, you know, you just invite uh, people like Mark Z and Shadow Panther into the Discord, and, and we just, we, now we're on the topic. Yeah. Shadow Panther, uh, welcome to the, the call. Uh, where's the show? Hello. What, where are you calling from? I am calling from Kenora, Ontario, Canada. It's actually two hours east of Winnipeg. Oh, nice. Well, several Canadian callers tonight. Uh, how, how's Kenora? You said Kenora? Kenora. How is it? Humid. Really? Nice. In Canada? Our, yeah, it's we get well, I guess probably not humid for you, humid for us. Okay. So some moisture. Either way, what do you what do you want to talk about the show tonight? So what I want to talk about is the fact that the NA talent issue is caused by the fact that we have focused more on nice players rather than good players. <laughs> And okay, I think this want... mostly started around the breaking point and the um, double if being kicked from CLG time period. Okay. I was I was expecting you to say another okay. name when you said that. This is okay. This is interesting. Okay. Um, so um, as someone who who like works with a team day in and day out and has for more than nine years at this point by being at Riot for a long time, um, you kind of need to like the people you work with. 
Um, at least to a certain degree. Like there's a certain amount of like being able to like put up with stuff because I mean, it's your you job, work with but... Mark. Yeah, and 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 I like loosely. Mark. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I think there there is like I, again, I, I think there is some room for nuance. Don't get me wrong, but like it's a lot easier to practice twelve hours a day when you like your teammates, um, and sometimes that's what it takes. Like you need to practice twelve hours a day if you want to be a top team. And dude, if Dardock just hard flames you every game you ever play, and you get up on stage and he says, you know, things like, "All right, I've been reading books on uh, on how to be a good leader. Uh, I don't think you guys are worth it." You're like, "Man, I don't want to play that game." Like, <laughs> counterpoint: H two K made it to semis with Forgiven on their team. All that's right, true. And now no one plays with Forgiven anymore. Mm. So that's that's where I was about to go with it. Is like, I agree, Europe's probably a little more toxic, and they probably just culturally or whatever reason have a, a higher barrier for some slight level of toxicity but even they're like legendarily toxic and difficult to work with players have still phased out over the years you know it's it's not like you know who, who's the, the, there's forgiven uh i don't have him with gilius but he's he's been in and out of teams for a while he's had a hard time locking a job down um like you know it's not like Man, this guy is a piece of shit, but he's always on the number one team, and it's great. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, I I think there's a line. Um, I think there's there's a line between Dardock and, for example, my theory on why Echo Fox subbed Lorlo in the one week. If you watch their web series the week before, you can see him having a conversation with one of the coaches about how he's upset that. They their power picks aren't doing anything, but the enemy's power picks are carrying the game. If that's why he got subbed out for a week, was then, you know, is it right an for that kind of criticism? Uh, it didn't look like it was really an argument. It looked like it was more of a rant, from what I saw. Um, so but it's questionable on whether that's is that something you should drop your best player for for a week? Or... I mean, Lorlo is not their best player. Solo is their best player by far. Or, are you, or no, do you mean Solo? Yeah, they dropped Solo uh, for, for Lorlo for a week. Um, yeah, so... Uh, there's you... things... Like, oh, go ahead, Freak. There's things I know, and there's things like I can say, and there's things I can't say. Uh, <laughs> so like, I'm just like figuring out like what, what to answer this question for. Um, I think Solo is definitively their best player. 100% hands down, Solo's the best I've also heard he's class. toxic as fuck. I have also heard that. So, like... But he's played most of the games. He was Me? out for one week. So, But now he's back. So, Shadow Panther, here's a question for you. So, one, do you agree that there are probably people in the LCS, for instance, Solo potentially, who are difficult to work with and are probably pretty toxic? Yes. Do you think that any of those players are on good teams? Okay, currently, I don't think there is many, if any. But as the example, if when Doublelift was having attitude issues in CLG, if no other top team ever wanted to take a risk on Doublelift ever again, would that be... I think Doublelift is not a good example for this because Doublelift is an anomaly among... LCS players. players. He's just that good. Yeah. He, that well, and also yeah, from a, a marketing standpoint, he's incredibly valuable and, yep. yeah, he's and, and players still want to play with him even when he's been a toxic piece of shit because he's double lift, right? Like you can't uh, 
and he probably changed a little bit. He's yeah, probably yeah. matured since since the yeah. fucking CLG I, season. I, don't know. I hang out with him C- sometimes. CLG season one, two, and three. <laughs> I can't believe anyone is like CLG season one, two, and three anymore. You know, like that just doesn't exist anymore, and that's the environment that he had to slowly transition his way out of. You know. I can't imagine that people are like cursed with elements and saint like drunkenly bitching each other out, yes. and then going. Yeah, and that's a good you. point. Yeah, like that. Those days are over, and so like there's there's still toxic teammates, and and people get mad that they lost, and they don't think their teammates are very good. And there's there's still attitude issues everywhere in each scene. Uh, so it's not like only the best. You know, I'm sure Doublelift is not that nice to his teammates sometimes, for sure. But I don't think he's as bad as he was when mm-hmm. he got kicked from CLG. But but to the point, like I think Dardock is better than Wiggly was last year, and yet Wiggly was playing for CLG, and and you know I, I think there's lots of cases of this where, uh, I mean to your point, you are absolutely right that that there are cases of teams making the choice over someone they want to work with over someone who is right now a better player, um, and and that is that is humanity and and work relationships in a nutshell at the very at the very beginning of it. By the way, when you're, and I think this frequent, like the, the players that tend to wash out of teams that are toxic don't tend to wash out of the top teams. It's not like, wow, everything was going great with TSM and then they got rid of Sven Skarin and now it's like a terrible thing. I'm not saying Sven's toxic. I'm just listing that as well, an Nisky, example. Well, Nisky's in chat and said he is, so don't worry. You're right. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in there. That's actually perfect timing. I didn't even see that. But mm-hmm. um, let's say, you know, like the... It is easy to decide to depart to to remove a player when you end up not making playoffs, and that person was toxic as fuck. And you're like, well, they're certainly not good enough to lead us to success right now. So yeah. why do we keep this jerk around? Um, you know, and sometimes those players get better and they get reformed and everything's great. But uh, I I just it's hard to it's really hard for me to buy the take of like. Wow, if only we we'd had win these worlds toxic... if only people played Dardock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if well, only we had more people being toxic as fuck, uh, you know, but to, being good. To be fair to Shadow Panther, he's not necessarily saying we need Dardocks and Forgivens, but maybe people are too de incentivized to to be free to share their emotions, you know? He he's Right, maybe that's another angle to okay, look you know, at. Yeah, really that's, quickly. That's... So, so here's here's one little blurb that I will give. So, uh, interesting things happened at Rift Rivals and afterwards. And I was actually just talking. I don't think Peter will be angry at me for exposing Spill this conversation. Spill the beans, Travis. But, it's uh, the tea these days. Come on. So, so it, you can look at the impact interview I did today. We kind of talked about it there. But also on the Hotline League, the live Hotline League at Rift Rivals, Peter asked the EU coaches hey, the feedback culture there, is it like the players that give feedback to each other or is it the coaches? And Grab said it's all the players giving feedback and even if they get like whatever intense, like they that feedback culture drives the team to be a lot better. And that was something that Peter had said to me today that there was a departure for Team Liquid that he credits some of their recent success to is in the past they had this like top-down feedback culture where they could only ever... Uh, you know, like uh, any kind of criticism really had to come from the coaches. Now they actually had this thing where they all kind of got shit off their chest after Rift Rivals and it's all driving them to be better. And so so I do agree that interestingly enough, even though, you know, every sports movie would tell you that everybody should be buddy-buddy and be family members, 
sometimes you do need to be a dick to somebody and that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that to your point though, there is a limit on, on how much, you know, that can go. Yes, I, I totally agree. I don't think there's, again, I don't think Dardock's behavior has been, has been warranted. I think I would say he's by, by the seams of it improved at least a bit. Yeah. Probably not enough as of yet. Maybe a year of Academy will fix that, but I do think there, there is a line that needs to be drawn of like, well, if you're where you actually pick skilled players, um, even if they have a bit more attitude issue and then maybe put a little bit more into coaching staff to figure out how to mold those players into going from toxicity to ego. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think just the idea of, you know, even not being like, Oh, is this player toxic or not? But just um, making sure that people can give the feedback that they're feeling as mm -hmm. long as it's not going too far. And maybe North America's coaching culture has gone too far with like the hand holding in, in the feedback sessions. Shadow Panthers, thanks yeah, so much. That for, makes a lot of sense. Thanks so much for calling in. Is there anything you'd like to say on the way out? Uh, nope. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks so much for calling in. Have a good one. All right. Uh, moving on to our last call of the night. A quick shout out to Neon Puddles uh, for 10 months and Joe, who was called in just a short time ago for. Two months in a row. Uh, but Freak, we were talking, you were saying it's a different, it's a bit different uh, having these calls. Do you enjoy this type of show or interacting with the community like this? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, it, it's definitely different questions than, than we go after on the dive. And, and um, I guess the, the pacing's not that different, but it is still sort of, it, it's kind of nice having the redirect from the question asker. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Kind of keeps you on topic in a way. Yeah. Snail Sage, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Nice. Portland, Oregon. Nice. Um, I have actually, strangely enough, never been to Oregon, though everywhere else on the West Coast. I want to go sometime. Uh, well, we have you... great coffee and food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, we have good coffee and food here in LA. So. Because you stole it from us. That's true. Yeah. That we... is 100% accurate. We stole a lot of <laughs> That's things. LA in a nutshell. Yeah, we stole all the best things and brought it here. So, uh, Sage, what do you want to talk about on the show tonight? I kind of similar to what the guy was talking about with TSM, uh, but with TL uh, being that I think that TL has peaked. If they actually win this split, they will do worse in Worlds um, versus it actually be. I, th I think it should be better if they lose this split and kind of force them to break through what appears to be like them peaking. Hmm. Okay, I this is weird right because you're saying they're peaking, but then you suggest that if they lose, they will somehow flow through that peak. So right. It's well, hard for I, me because they either ha they've either hit their ceiling or they they haven't. Right. Well, well yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I I mean, like the point being, I think whether or not you agree philosophically, the idea that like lose to improve idea, where like if you feel like you can just play the same things over and over and win the championship, you you never feel like you get pushed as hard then if they end up losing in this style and have to, to, to learn more and maybe adapt more. Yeah. Uh, lose, lose to improve. Do we think that that happened for them at Rift Rivals at all? Or nope. did they just play too much Sonoteric? I think they were shown that they can play the same League of Legends they've been playing for the last few months, and uh, it's good. And I actually believe that's still true. That I don't think you have to... I don't think Team Liquid have to change much. 
I think they their approach to the game is completely fine. I think the talent pool they have on the player base is completely fine. Um, I don't think they're the favorites, but Team Liquid, with their current players and their current sort of approach to the game, could win the World Championship. Hey. I don't think they will, but I don't think they need... Like, I don't know. No, no, I... We're going to cut you off right at that point, by the way. So thank you. <laughs> they beat IG. Exactly. And now yeah. IG turbo trolled in a lot of that series. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. like, then they beat all the European teams of Rift rivals. Like there's, they haven't had any championships outside of NA, but like they've gone and run the gauntlet of beating all the good teams. Somehow freak beat out all these other hot takes tonight to give the hottest of all takes. <laughs> uh, it's flaming. <laughs> okay. So, uh, back to the point though. So, Freak, you disagree with this take. You disagree that, like, they need it would be better for them if they lose because it'll force them to innovate. Yeah, I don't think Team Liquid need to play a different style than what they've mostly shown. Now, Sona Tarek got nerfed a little bit, or, well, Sona as a carry got nerfed um, just this patch, and, and, okay, maybe they need more things, but, like, we just saw them pop off playing Caitlyn Lux, and it was, like, the hardest bot lane smashing of all time. Um, so like they can play super lane aggro through bot lane and they can play scaling through bot lane. And I mean, they just have one of the best bot lanes in the world and very good players elsewhere. Yeah. I think, uh, as well as the fact that like, other than, you know, what's funny is like impact might be the most creative player on that team. You know, I can't think of that many picks that Jensen broke out. That was like, Oh my God, look at that pick or double lift is notoriously bad for it. I actually, uh, talked to Parth about this back when TSM was using him and they, they were looking for a sub behind him and Mr. Raleigh's or, or uh, Turtle or, you know, that, that kind of swapping was going on. He was yeah, like, oh, well, double... Uh, he was not doing that great in Academy. And so they kind of, I think, just moved on from him. I had forgotten about him. Anyway, sorry, continue. Uh, yeah, but the, the, what Parth had kind of said was Peter doesn't learn ch new champs that quickly. And so if ever there was like a broken new champ, it's very likely that this substitute player could, could probably play that better than him or something, something like that. Um, and so like, you know, we've seen it on stage two with the Vladimir and all this stuff. Core JJ, I don't think Smithy has shown that he has like super creative, diverse champ pool. Like you almost always want to see Smithy on the same three most meta tank junglers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, core JJ, I feel like he can just play whatever the fuck he wants because he's so good. But I don't know if that's quite synonymous with creativity. Like, you know, you can have a big champ pool of effective support picks, but it's not like he's the Elise, the brand, the Velkaz support right. player. Um, and so it's, it's actually, I think, Impact who's the most creative with things like the Singe that he's broken out a couple times and has had some, some weird top lane picks. So maybe there's a world where, you know, Impact gives gets a little bit more freedom in this team, but it also doesn't feel like the team that needs Impact to, to pull out some cheesy, cool stuff to pick up wins. So I would like to find that in his back pocket. But I also don't know if losing at, at, in North America is what prompts them to be like, yeah, play Singe again, give that a shot. Yeah, that seems incredibly... It, it doesn't feel like TL is the type of team where when faced with adversity... Oh they changed to being something completely different. What, Mark? What happened? So I mentioned uh, it was... Uh, was it Core JJ who who did the, the MF, MF support worlds? No, wasn't that Prey and... Um, yeah, that was Prey and Gorilla. Okay, someone lied to me. Yeah, people do that a lot. Twitch chat's just making me Twitch think... Twitch chat should never be trusted ever. Yeah, that was Gorilla. All right, they're wrong. Uh, yeah, I stand by. Core JJ, I, I can't think of many creative things he's done. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, keep in mind, like, and, and this is, don't read too much into this take, uh, SKT was one of the most standard teams ever and won three world championships. 
Now, their talent pool was higher, like yeah. their macro was higher. Don't get me wrong, TL is not the same team that SKT is, but like, you don't have to be the end. Like, this is the first year, maybe ever, where the innovative team is the best team in the world. Yeah, I mean, like, that's my only concern is that it feels like the game right now really favors innovative teams. I just don't think it's true. I, I think what happened is um, Korea, for the longest time, has been a, a slow, uh, reasonably slow, very vision-centric sty uh, like style of region, and all those teams tried to emulate that. I'm, I'm speaking in very broad strokes sure, sure. here, but generally that's been true. Um, and as wards continue to, continue to, continue to get nerfed, um, optimal gameplay is no longer a vision style game. Um, and now you have to unlearn like six years of this being the best style where it's like actually the right way to play the game is with risks. Um, you do have to take risks to play League of Legends optimally. That is now true. Um, and, and so, well, in the vacuum of SKT and Samsung Galaxy is, well, now who's the best? Is it China playing through Uzi? And taking any fight they can get, but playing through bottom lane? Is it Invictus Gaming taking any fight they can get and playing through solo lanes? Is it G2 taking any fight they can get and having crazy picks? Like, they've all taken turns being the best team. They've won back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back tournaments with their own different styles, just as take-any-fight-you-can-get sort of teams. Um, and I think, like, TL does have to, like, be able to keep up with a fast-tempo game. I think that is true, that the game is faster. But, like, it doesn't have to be the G2 style of it yeah, you, or the IG style of it. feel as though G2 is widely rewarded for their innovative gameplay? They, they are rewarded. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Being able to play 140 champions is better than being able to play 60. Fact. But most teams just can't play 140 champions. So, like, yeah, it would be nice if my players were all perfect, but they're not. So uh, I should play what my players are good at. Yeah. But can, do we yeah. have a chance against a team that... Does play 140? Yes. I mean, look at Rift Rivals. Or beating IG, like it's possible. I mean, yeah. What was the most creative thing we did in those those drafts? Pick Nico top, maybe. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember all of the drafts, but it was like Kaisa Galio. Yeah, they played yeah, a bunch of yeah. Tom Kench, and then IG picked Tom Kench Varus when those players had played those champions twice each. Yeah, and, and immediately Nico shot and the bed. Top. Yeah, like I, I don't think they did anything that creative. So like I, th I think, you know, if if this was C9 who was our best team and and we were talking about like and they were playing a super standard game, sure. But C9 does play more creatively and more aggressively. I I think you can also play like a controlled style that fits the meta. Like Caitlyn Lux is not like Karma, Tom Kench or like so like whatever these other weird lanes are, but it is still a very strong aggressive lane that focuses more on pushing objectives down than it does like solo killing lanes which is g2 will look for the the, the strong lane that la lets them kill people team liquid can play their own style which is like we're gonna sit in front of your turret and when you try and engage on us we'll just like kite back and, and hopefully kill you so like there there is other ways to still play you know a quote-unquote aggressive game that isn't just about solo killing and, and finding the perfect and lane diving like everything yeah yeah i guess like just from what i've seen it seems like like seeing TL against Hundred Thieves, and yet they choose Sona, and like I don't know. I guess from my perspective, is that is that how like our best chance at Worlds is getting yeah. better? Sure. Sona won a whole bunch of games of Rift Rivals against some of the best teams in the world, or at least the best teams in Europe. But I think that's close. I mean, this was Grabs' like, big complaint, though. Grabs was not happy right. we were playing Sona Tarek. He thought that this was like lame of or or i shouldn't say lame uh it, it, not 
not challenging themselves enough. Like team like well, they just... lost to it, so guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I get, I understand what grab is coming from in the sense like this tournament doesn't mean anything, and so you should be doing your best to use that time to improve rather than to test your skill on what you already are good at. I guess I can understand that mentality. Mm -hmm. um, but it's I also like they smashed either on Sonoteric against Hundred Thieves. Sure, like League of Legends doesn't have 100% predictability of its results. I would still say, like, hey, if I'm in game five of the World Finals on this patch and double flocks in Sona, I'm not like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, it's a good champion. That's the litmus test. Yeah. Like, I think it's completely fine to be like, hey, we're against maybe the best region in the world. We're going to play our stuff and see if we can beat them. Instead of like, well, hey, Devil, want to play Yasuo? No, too bad. Like, why is that a good use of your time? Like I said, I don't think Teal have to do new stuff. Teal yeah. can be a our bot lane is better. Let and our like they don't need to do crazy stuff to prove that they're good. They can continue to play their style, make sure they tune up, and then go to worlds. Daniel Sage, thanks so, so here, much. For, or, uh, here's the one thing I'll say why losing to improve would help them. It's not a play style thing, it's a pressure thing. I feel like a lot of TL's players generally don't perform under pressure well. Uh, especially double lift. I think, uh, you know, internationally we've seen him struggle a, a number of times. It feels like when they feel like they have a chance, and as soon as they don't have a chance, they play well, and as soon as they have a chance again, they choke. So you just want them to be the underdogs rather than the first. Player. I want them to be the underdogs. Actually, I don't feel like they play well with 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 uh, high pressure on them. So like, if somehow they lost, maybe that actually would help them from worlds. Not from a needing to change their play style, but then not being the number one seed. Because if you go back and look at, like, just, like, was the pressure on? And then check the result. It's, like, almost always they they would lose I if mean, the pressure I MSI kind of broke that trend, but I know historically it has I think the pressure them. wasn't on for the IG match. Yeah, no, that's... Actually, I think it proved it. As soon as the pressure was on, they're like, we can win this thing. They played fucking terrible against G2. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I actually think it, it proves it more. Yes, they were good enough to beat a pretty bad Flash Wolves and um, the Vietnamese team, right? Like, and they, they ended up four and six. But once they were against IG, no pressure to lose to beat them. They play well. A fair point. Snail Sage, thanks yeah. so much for your call. Anything you want to say on the way out? Just happy birthday to Ichigo Kurosaki today. Money uh, on, guys. Have a good one. Cool. Who, who is that? We know? What, do you, what was the name? Ichigo Kurosaki. Let me look it up. Is it an anime thing? Kurosaki. I mean, there's a lot of Ichigo characters. I just don't know any of their last names. He's a human who has Shinsengami powers it's and a is bleach. a substitute. Wait, so it is the Bleach character. Yeah. yeah. It's his birthday today? The Wikipedia uh, page doesn't list his birthday, so... Hold on, I'm looking here. July 15th is his birthday. All right, happy birthday to... Uh... A Bleach character. Hooray! A, a character whose arc should have ended long ago after he lost his powers and saved the world the first time. Hey, thanks for the fucking spoilers. Is that a spoiler in a 400-show anime that the, the main character wins? I don't watch anime. What? Whoa, even more spoilers. Mark, wow. I was never going to watch Bleach, but now I feel like I can't. Snape kills Dumbledore, by the way. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Uh, let's ramp up the show. Okay. Mark, do you have anything you want to plug, shout out, whatever? Um, 
Twitch Rivals on Wednesday. Me and Kobe will be casting uh, the TFT Twitch Rivals that's happening. Uh, I think yeah. there's some other casters there too, but I think Zyrie might be doing it. The only important ones are you two. Yeah, just watch Kobe and I's cast, all right? Uh, cool. That's it. That's it? Nothing else? I might stream TFT tomorrow. We'll see how I'm feeling. Nice. Freak? I also might stream TFT tomorrow. We'll see how I'm feeling. Also, make sure to watch Hotline League uh, in a week, right? Yes, Mondays. Every every Monday at 8 p.m.? Yes, except for when it's not Monday at 8 p.m., which is frequent. But we oh, at okay. least half the shows are Monday at 8 p.m. So That's good. Yeah. You know, uh, make sure to watch LCS business. this weekend. Yes, LCS. Uh, are you on the dive this week, or is Mark? Uh, I. Uh, it already came out. Oh yeah, it already got recorded today. Because Mark and Kobe are busy doing Twitch Rivals, which is airing on Wednesday morning, oh, okay. 11 a.m. Pacific, I think. So wait, are you on this week? Why don't you go check? Yeah. The dive came out today, everyone. You should watch it, too. I forgot about that. I should have said That's that. true. You should watch Look, the dive. Th- that was what I was trying to do. I was trying to help promote the show, and then I get all this back talk. You didn't know it was out. I didn't. I've had a very busy day. And by the way, it's Mark. Mark's on this episode. Freak will be on the next one, I think. Probably. <sighs> we tend to trade off back and forth. You're welcome for trying. Good job. Uh, thanks everyone uh, for watching. For me, I've got more interviews coming out next uh, this week. I've got a announcement of a project um, that will be announced either this week or next. But that's going to be interesting. I don't know if I've told Mark about it yet, but it might impact our ability to do Hotline League for at least one week. Um, either way, thanks so much for watching, everyone. Shout out to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Thanks everyone who watched. This has been Hotline League eighty three.